You're listening to the Metro LA Podcast, an official podcast of the LA International Church of Christ. Good morning. My name is Reese Kia Aina, and thank you so much for your time and tuning in to our Sunday worship service. It's always a pleasure when we can come together as a unified body to worship and to get in the Word of God. I hope you're ready for a great uh, time of getting in the Word today. Special shout out to our San Francisco family, friends around the world, and of course, our very own Metro family. I have a question for you this morning. If I asked you to describe God to a friend, what would you say he's like? I'd like you to think about that. You know, and as you're thinking about that, at the men's service in March, I asked a group of guys this question, that very question. And this is how they describe God to me, is that God is loving, he's faithful, he's sacrificial, he's kind, he's gracious, he's powerful, and he's forgiving. Is that your view of God? You you may you may have thought of some of those things there, and it's absolutely true. What, what about Jesus? What would you... You know, how would you describe Jesus? Would you describe him in the same way? And many did, you know, and that God and Jesus are all the things I just mentioned. But I want you to look at uh, and consider another way of looking at God and Jesus. Moses describes the Lord in Exodus 15. In Exodus 15 and verse 3, check out this passage. In the NIV, it says, the Lord is a warrior. yes. Jehovah is his name. Awesome, awesome scripture right there of a description of the Lord being, is he loving? Yes. Kind, gentle, gracious, forgiving? Yes. But he's also described as a warrior. Is that your view of God? That God is a warrior? Look how the apostle John described Jesus in the book of Revelation. In Revelation, uh, in verse 11, it says, I saw heaven standing open and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice, he judges and wages war. This is John describing Jesus. His eyes are like blazing fire and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty." On his robe and on his thigh, he has this name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords, Revelation 19, verse 11 through 19. John describes Jesus as a warrior, as one who wages war. Not a, I'm not talking about waging war against men, not like what's happening between Russia and Ukraine. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking a different kind of waging war, but against Satan, not against your brother and sister, against other churches, against unbelievers, and so forth. But John describes Jesus as a warrior, that God and Jesus are loving, kind, and forgiving, and gracious, and the like. But let's also consider that God and Jesus are also warriors and fighters. 
I'm saying let's be balanced in how we view God in Jesus. He's not only one way. There are, there are many qualities of God, many qualities of Jesus that we have to take into consideration all things. And how appropriate it is at this time in the world that, that we learn to be warriors in this world and fighters in this world for our faith. Our lesson is entitled this morning, Becoming a Fighter God Desires. Becoming a fighter God desires. And I hope this will encourage us in our faith, equip us in our faith, and, and hopefully have some uh, two things we can walk away with that could, that could help us not only become a fighter, but continue in the fight to, to the day that we die. Let's pray. God, we love you. We thank you so much for Jesus. We pray that you would move in a powerful way. Be with our lesson. Be with Russia and Ukraine to get this resolved. Be with uh, uh, all the disciples there on both sides. And, and we pray for unity there and that the, the war would be able to stop and that souls would be saved in the midst of this process. Be with our fellowship all over the world as we're all praying for this as well. But help us to become the fighter that you want us to become to make a difference in this world, but also to make it to the so that we last to the, to the day that we die and make it to heaven. God, we love you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We are in a spiritual battle. The good news is we already won because Jesus won the battle over Satan. You know, next week is Easter. Our faith lies in the fact that Jesus died and rose from the grave. We are truly victors. Our salvation is secure as disciples living in the light. We are already on the winning team, but we must battle daily to be faithful in our walk with God till the very end of our lives. We must battle against the schemes of Satan, against our own weaknesses and struggles, and learn to overcome sin in our lives. If we don't develop a warrior-like mentality, it's tough to make it to the end. We're in a spiritual battle. Satan is a schemer, deceiver, angel of light, roaring lion, an adversary, a murderer, and a liar, and the list goes on and on. Make no mistake, we are in the fight of our lives. People will die spiritually. People will get hurt and damaged spiritually. But people will also win and make it to the end. And they will receive a crown of glory. They'll be acknowledged before God and his angels. Our battle is to learn how to fight against Satan and become the fighters that God wants us to be to make it to the end and so that we can last a lifetime as a disciple. So how do we become warriors? How do we become fighters that last, that make it to the very end? And there are many ways all throughout the Bible, but I just want to talk about two this morning. And I hope this will encourage you in your faith and in the journey that you're on right now. One of the ways is in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24 to 27. It says, don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one gets the prize. So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. Awesome passage, 1 Corinthians 9, 24 to 27 in the New Living Translation. Paul was talking about learning to win in the games. If you're going to enter a competition, run in a way as to win the prize. And so one of the ways to become a fighter that lasts is to, the first point, is to develop a winning attitude. 
develop a winning attitude. You know, winning isn't everything, but it's absolutely something. The Christian race is a marathon, and there is a finish line. It is essential that we finish this race. If you don't make it to the end of your life faithful, you won't make it to heaven. And that's the truth, right? So we must learn to win in the spiritual life today. The reason why we run the race isn't for the accolades of the world, though. People who only strive to win in this life do it for a crown that will not last. Accolades of this world. And while those may be encouraging, they don't last. They certainly don't get God's attention. But Christians win for a spiritual crown that will last. They do it for the accolades of God, of heaven. And that's a different motivation. This crown isn't about the praises of men. And oh, it is quite different. It's about hearing God's voice, the well done and good and faithful servant. It's also about having an outstanding life today, now. This isn't about just waiting to go to heaven, you know, and wait to the afterlife. It's about living your best godly life now and reaping the benefits of that life today and tomorrow. And so learning to have a winning attitude spiritually is so important to becoming a fighter that lasts to the very end. Winning in the spiritual life has great benefits now, but it takes work. Like if you want to have a great marriage, you, it takes work. Anybody who tells you you're going to have a great marriage and it absolutely doesn't take any work at all is a liar. They have no idea what they're talking about. You know, in the month of March, Grace and I celebrated 27 years of being married. I'm so fired up, man. I'm so fired up about my marriage and so excited about, you know, how, how it has developed over the last 27 years and it gets better and better. There's ups and downs in it, but I thank God that I'm married to grace and experience not only, you know, his grace, but grace herself. And so it's been awesome. I also celebrated 30 years as a Christian in March. March is always a big reminder for me of the life God has given me from making one decision. One decision can radically change the trajectory of your life. So look at your life right now and the trajectory that it's on. Would you like a change? I would encourage uh, all of us that a winning attitude makes the difference. You know, my daughter's on this team that just wins, man. Beach FC. You know, she's on a team right now that just has a coach that is, he has a winning attitude. I mean, he just expects to win, you know? It, it's a shock if they lose. I think we've, I think out of 20 something games so far, I think we lost our first game this past week when Nani was in, in, um, Arizona, but, Shocker that we lost, actually. But I appreciate that winning attitude. Everything in my life, my spiritual life, going to heaven, having an awesome marriage, three amazing kids, my vocation in the ministry. I'm blessed to be in Metro. All my friends, it's all because of God. And I appreciate, you know, Paul, like going encouraging us to to win in this life you know and to, and I'm not talking about just winning against people and like p- putting others down so we can get ahead that's not what I'm talking about at all I'm have I'm talking about having a winning attitude the way Paul describes it that we're doing we're winning so that we can we can please God so that we can make it to the end of our life and make a difference in this world but it's also knowing, right, that not only is, 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 can we win in this life and enjoy the benefits here, but it's also knowing that we're part of a greater cause of helping the world become a new creation. 
And that's an amazing thing. A Christian's life is very significant. It's ordinary often, but don't confuse ordinary with insignificant. Many times in the Bible, ordinary lives are extremely significant because of our extraordinary God. So a Christian's life is very significant, not only in this life, but in the next. So I want to talk briefly about three areas that we can become, we can win in. Okay. And the first area is in, is in winning souls. I think this is something we always must keep on our radar that we're in a church to, to not only develop our relationship with God and all that, but we're also here so that we can win souls over. In 1 Corinthians 9, 20 to 23 in the New Living Translation, right before the one I just read, says, when I was, uh, Paul says, when I was with the Jews, I lived like a Jew to bring the Jews to Christ. When I was with those who follow the Jewish law, I too lived under that law. Even though I am not subject to the law, I did this so I could bring to Christ those who are under the law. When I am with the Gentiles who not follow the Jewish law, I too live apart from that law so I can bring them to Christ. But I do not ignore the law of God. I obey the law of Christ. When I am with those who are weak, I share their weakness, for I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. I do everything to spread the good news and share in its blessings. You know, Paul said to the Jew, I became a Jew to win the Jew. To the Gentile, I became like one to win the Gentiles. If someone was weak, he became weak to win the weak. He became all things to all people to win some to Christ. Learning to relate to people helps them in their journey to know Christ. And this takes focus, and this takes us learning to get over ourselves and take interest in someone else's life. We learn to walk alongside someone and teach them about Christ. We also have much to learn from them as well. It's not just a one-way street. We can learn from non-believers or people who may not be following Christ. In fact, the more we learn about them and learn from them often, the more we can build trust, faith, and love for them. I'm super grateful for the person who reached out to me who understood this principle about, you know, becoming like someone else to win them over. And the guy who reached out to me was an athlete who reached out to me for eight Sundays in a row. Every Sunday at 8 a.m. for eight weeks straight, he'd call me to remind me about church. I so appreciate he didn't give up after the first call, the one when I blew him off, or the second one when I said no, or the third, or the, it took eight tries. And then I, to finally get him off my back, I went to church and loved it and studied the Bible and the rest is history. He hung out with me, took me out to eat, studied with me, played basketball together after church. We ate some more. We played sports some more. We ate some more. (laughs) One month later, I became a Christian. He won my heart over. But the number of hours and things we did were what were, were, were things that I wanted to do. And he related to me so as to win my heart over. And that's the Bible. So who are you reaching out to you to right now? You're important in the process of helping someone come to faith. Another era we can learn to win in is our daily lives, you know, in our jobs that we have. In 1 Thessalonians 4 and 11 to 12 in the New Living, Paul says, And to make it your ambition to lead a quiet life, you should mind your own business and work with your hands, just as we told you, so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders, and so that you will not be dependent on anybody. You know, Paul was teaching the Thessalonians to do well in their daily life, to do well in their jobs. 
how they conduct themselves in their lives and jobs so as to win the respect of outsiders. You know, when people look at our lives as Christian, there shouldn't be any kind of obstacles there that cause them to struggle, right? If we're jobless because we're lazy, that's not a great example. Not a strong, like not having a strong work ethic, uh, you know, living off others, you know, kind of mooching off others, if you will. That's that's what was going on in the church in Thessalonica, and Paul was teaching them to do well in their daily life, in their jobs, and, and how they and pay attention to how they live, that it should win the respect of those not in the church. Christians should be the most outstanding workers there are at that at that place. You know, it's it's amazing how Paul just calls the disciples to to win in their daily lives, to be so great at their jobs that those who are looking in at, at, at disciples, looking in at people at the church, they they're they they're won over. They they show respect given to the Christians. Why? Because they're such amazing examples. And so, wow, what an upward call that we pay attention to how we conduct ourselves in our daily life and at our jobs. The third error to becoming a winner is, or or to becoming a fighter in this point about developing a winning attitude, is about overcoming sin. That's one thing we always are going to have to deal with. In 1 Timothy 1, in verse 18 to 19, Timothy, my dear child, Paul says, I am placing before you a charge for the mission ahead. It is in total agreement with the prophecies once spoken over you. Here it is. With God's message stirring and directing you, fight the good fight, armed with faith and a good conscience. Some have tried to silence their consciences, wrecking their lives and ruining their faith. 1 Timothy 1, 18-19 in the voice translation. Paul's reminding Timothy to fight the battle well by holding on to faith and a good conscience. Meaning, we must never stop confessing our sins so that our consciences don't get hardened, that don't get seared from not paying attention to our consciences and and, and being sensitive to it. People who get away from, who, whose consciences are hardened or seared even, it shipwrecks their faith. And so we have to deal with the sin in our lives. We're all going to sin. We're all, it is a daily struggle. Uh, and, and learning how to, you know, keep our consciousness sensitive by being aware of our own sins, by, by paying attention, by making sure we don't look at certain things online when we, when, when we're, when we're, it's late at night or, you know, or when we're tired. Uh, we have to always, in this daily battle. And that's why it's tiring to be a Christian oftentimes is because we're always in this battle of dealing with our sins, with overcoming sin. You know when your your conscience is so far gone is when you don't even care anymore. You know? You don't even care about sin. You just you're just you give into it, you give up in it, and you just dive right into it. Because I don't really I don't really care. And Paul's going, Timothy, you gotta overcome you know, sin in your own personal life by holding on to faith and and keeping a a, a good conscience. You know, your conscience is there to help you to feel guilt, and that's a right kind of guilt. You know, it, it's 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 needed in our own lives. So one way to become a fighter that lasts is to learn to develop a winning attitude when it comes to souls how we conduct our daily lives and in our jobs and overcoming sin. We must learn to win in more areas, but these are just some right here. And I just suggest three. There are many more to win and overcome in. 
The second way, though, to become a fighter that lasts is in Acts chapter 14, verse 19 to 20. And I love this point. In the New Living Translation, Acts 14, 19 to 20, it says, Then some Jews arrived from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowds to their side. Look, there's winning going on over here, right? There's some Jews from Antioch and Iconium, and they're trying to win the crowd over. And and Paul's trying to win the crowd over as well. They stoned Paul and dragged him out of town thinking he was dead. Now think about that. Paul's preaching the word, and, and he is stoned over there. And to the point where he's dragged out of town and people just thought he was dead. In verse 20. But as the believers gathered around him, he got up and went back into the town. The next day he left with Barnabas for Derby. <laughs> Man, that's crazy. While in Lystra and Derby, Paul endured strong opposition. And the Jews won the crowd over against Paul and Paul was trying to win them over. And as the Jews won, they stoned him and left him to die. But somehow the disciples gathered around him, think perhaps nursed him back to health or or kind of helped him in some way. And then Paul did the unthinkable. You would have thought he would probably be okay to just leave that city and go somewhere else to preach, right? Or just call it a call it a week or a month even after getting almost dying for his faith. But he did the unthinkable. He went right back into the city to preach again. <laughs> what? Are you out of your mind, Paul? Paul had relationships around him that helped him spiritually so he could preach the gospel. It would have been perfectly reasonable to nurse him back to health and Paul go on a different journey. But Paul didn't. And they didn't stop him. The point is, he had awesome kingdom-minded relationships around him that didn't stop him from doing what Paul thought God wanted him to do. And so the second way to become a fighter that lasts is this is to cultivate kingdom relationships. Cultivate kingdom relationships. We all need a circle of friends. We all need relationships that help us to do better spiritually and help us to be our best for God. Who do you have in your life right now? Who? What circle of friends do you have that helps, that is concerned about you spiritually, that is concerned about you being your best for God? Because that's what makes our relationships so different than the world. I hope you will consider how important it is to have relationships that help you to do your best for God. This is a rare group of friends that Paul had. Let's find those relationships for our lives today. They will help us last to the end. They'll help us to stay in the battle. You know, as we age spiritually, the difficulty with being a Christian long term is, are you still in the battle? Or are you just kind of existing? You know, that's the challenge with as a church gets older. Can you stay in the battle? Can And, and, and you're going to take hits along the way. You might be in that part of your journey right now. Some of you are early in the faith and you are just right in the battle right now. And you're gung-ho. That's awesome. Some of, some of us are, are hit. We've had hits to our faith for so long and that we're kind of stuck and we're hurting a little bit. And, and, and we need time to heal and take that time if you need to as well. Some of us are at that point where we're just kind of there and we've kind of given up, but we're still here. And well, hopefully today the spirit will encourage us in that, in that and we'll learn what we need to learn to kind of put into practice and get back in the battle again. There's always going to be times where we're going to need encouragement to get back into the battle. But the name of the game is getting back into the battle. So what did we learn today? Is becoming the fighter that God desires is our lesson. Well, how can we become a fighter that lasts? 
Well, number one is to develop a winning attitude. Develop a winning attitude. Again, I'm not talking about winning over people. Not, I'm not talking about competing against other Christians or competing against your boss or other churches or churches outside of our faith. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about developing a winning attitude for God that we will learn to care about the things that he cares about, you know, and win in that area. Uh, we can we we develop an attitude to win souls, win in our daily lives, and being great examples in our jobs, and overcoming sin in our lives. We can win in at least these three areas right here. Why is this important to win to win like that? To develop a winning attitude because winning in the spiritual life is important, uh, not only in the afterlife but also for today. It's important that we live our best life now and make the difference today in this world now. Amen. It's awesome to live this life. The second is how do we become fighters that last? Cultivate kingdom relationships. We all need a circle of friends that help us to be our best for God. People who won't stop us from being our best for God, from doing things by faith that might make everyone else feel uncomfortable, but they don't stop that person because they know, wow, that's something that that person is responding to God in their life and they're going for it. Well, why is this important to know? It's because relationships that help each other get back in the battle is essential to making it to the end. This journey is too difficult to do alone. I hope you were encouraged today. I hope your faith was built today and your love deepened and your heart inspired. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for your attention. Have a great day. You've just listened to the Metro LA podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit MetroLARegion.com 